This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Apparently. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. we got to hustle up because connections might be slim. I'm Jeff Fader, and my guest this week is my friend, Jesse Oweta. But before we talk to I, Jessup, let's do a little bit of business, okay? Axe Wax. Axe Wax is an all-natural food-safe wax for your axe, for your handles, for your hammers, for your steel, you know, and it's all natural food safe and it's going to be good for you. So definitely get some of that. And if you are in the United States, you can go to axwax.us, use promo code FULLBLAST10. If you're in the UK, Toby's got, a, Toby's got it over at UK Knife Supplies and he's taking care of you with Full Blast 10. And do me a favor, buy something else from him because he's just going to complain on his podcast about how much money he loses on everything. So if you're going to buy the Axe Wax from him, buy something else. Otherwise, you're going to keep complaining. If you're in Australia, go to nordicedge.com.au. They're taking Full Blast 10. And if you're in the EU, my main man, Keith Colby, over at knifematerial.at, is taking Full Blast 10. So go get yourself some Axe Wax, everybody. Next thing is I had a real great conversation with my friend Andreas Kalani over at AK Interactive, and he is back with us. We had a great conversation. The podcast has been really great for him, and he's really, not only is he just into it, he's enjoying the podcast, but it's he's you guys are reaching out to him, and you're, you're, you're helping him out. So what I want you to do is I want you to really consider your website as something that's going to help you in business. What Andreas Kalani will do, if you go to akinteractive.com slash full blast, you're automatically going to get 10% off whatever logo design. If you want him to do some consulting on your website, your existing website, or you build a new website, he'll do that for you. He's doing a lot of, there's a lot of makers reaching out to him for help and he's doing it. So go get yourself a new website or fix your website or logo design or graphics and all that. If you go to akinteractive.com slash full blast, fill out the paperwork, blah, blah, blah. I'm with you, Andreas Kalani. It was great talking to you a couple days ago, and I'm I'm honored that you want to keep going with the podcast. Last but not least, I have to keep thanking um, Trojan Horse Forge. They sent me this amazing knife vice, and I know what you're saying. Oh, knife vice is for handles. This thing is a complete fixture for all parts of your knife. If you're hand sanding your blade, it has these bolt-on plates with these rubber backings that will uh, support your blade, if, even with a distal taper, or if, it, if you have a curved blade, it'll it'll turn so you can support the, the entire blade. If you have an in, integral bolster, it'll it'll move over so you can you know put the, the integral bolster out of the way. This thing is awesome. And then also you can uh, turn it around and use it for your handles and it goes all the way around. It fits in your vise. It's beautiful. comes in a bomb-proof case. This thing is awesome. And I wish I could give you a promo code. I wish I could tell you you can buy it now. But the problem is, is they're so in demand that you what you have to do is you go to you go to TrojanHorseForge.com and then you'll see they have a, a um, they'll have a newsletter. And the newsletter is in regards to the TH. F stable rail knife finishing vice. 
get your get on that newsletter because when they do batches, they send a newsletter say, okay, you can now put in for yours, and then it's closer to the date when they're built, and then you you're not spending all your money. The other thing is, is if you say to your say to yourself, well, you know, I I want to pay for it, but can I pay in installments? They actually use uh, a system so you can pay with installments, which is great because let's say you don't want to lump down a lot of money, but fine, they'll they're in it. And I tell you what, I want of all the things I have in my shop. This is one of the nicest things I have. It's a it's more than just a knife vice. It's a whole finishing fixture. So thank you once again, Trojan Horse Forge, and go follow them on Instagram at Trojan underscore Horse underscore Forge. Okay. My guest today is my buddy. It ain't the new year if I don't have Jesse Oweta here. Jesse is one of my favorite people. I enjoy everything she does out in out in Joshua Tree, California, and she's back. Jesse, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> You're the best. Listen, can you I, hear I, the I was, birds in the background? I've I got, do hear like, the birds. Okay, yeah. Well, sorry about that, but also not sorry because it's kind of adorable. I'm not sorry at all. I love podcast sounds. And when I <laughs> my first podcast with Nico Tavernisi over ten years ago, closer to like fifteen years ago, when podcasts first started, we would do it out in uh, either my either either my backyard or his backyard, and you could hear crickets, you could hear the train. We liked that stuff. So uh, birds are fine with me. It's it's a lot better to the alternative too, which is I have literally had to tell Ben, can you not break glass in the next room because I'm I'm trying to record. It's how, a common how occurrence in my going, house. How are things going out there in Joshua Tree? You're out in Joshua Tree on the Maker Ranch. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard Jesse's Jesse, this is her third time on the show, so go back to those old tracks. Now I feel like with especially with like you. Now it's like we have our own show. We're gonna we're gonna catch up with you, talk about this. We're gonna have Alec Baldwin talk, as we do every year. And, <laughs> and because apparently he has some things things happen to Alec Baldwin that we you and I need to address. So absolutely, the people need to know. So what's going? Happy New Year! And what's going on on Joshua Tree? Um, at the moment, not a whole lot. So I just got back. I was uh, up in Portland, Oregon, for a couple weeks. Um, my sister and I generally try to go up there. We have um, cousins up there. So there's three cousins who are um, a little bit older than my sister, a little bit younger than my sister, and then a little bit younger than I am. Um, and so, you know, we grew up all together. Um, they've lived yeah. in Portland for about 30 years. Um, and since my family doesn't, we don't really do Christmassy things. Like my dad loves Christmas. My mom could not care less. Um, and so once we all left the house, it was just kind of like, well, you know, if you're around, come come by. But usually it's just I'm the only one where it's like, mom and dad are lonely. I'm going to go eat dinner with them. And everyone else is like, I don't care. So we, uh, my sister and I usually go for cousin week and because uh, they have little kids. So Christmas is still exciting. So. We were we didn't get to go last year, so we went this year, and it was really fun. And got to wear all of our matching Christmas pajamas. Actually, I'm wearing my Christmas pajama pants right now because I haven't gotten dressed yet. It's only noon; it's still early. You are definitely not a morning person. Usually, we are we are times. Your your time and my time completely go back. I'm usually up at four thirty in the morning, and I know that if I if I send you if I send you a message, <laughs> thinking that you won't get it, you always get it because I know you haven't gone to sleep yet. That is accurate. <laughs> this is when we have our our best Alec Baldwin talks. Is that like 
one thirty my time, four thirty your time. Yeah, yeah, that has been actually the funny. That's the funny part. So last last time you were on, which was last year, almost exactly the year was, and we're going to get into Alec Baldwin talk later. I want to catch up with you, but it is funny yeah. because you and I were on like this weird. There was this very strange time where we were overlapping. Our like bedtimes are overlapping. And <laughs> we were talking about you. Can you believe Alec Baldwin's wife? This is crazy. And let's we got to talk about this. And you're like, yeah, that's right. I'm looking at the time. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck are we doing? It's like a million. Well, see, million, I'm like, on the other side, being like, what the fuck are you doing? Being up so early? Who does that? I mean, like, yeah. I am frequently. I was up at four thirty this morning, but that's only because I was still up from last night right yeah it's well, january and every january i replay um legends of zelda breath of the wild on my nintendo switch <laughs> that's what i do in january wow. <laughs> see but you you know you're so you're so youthful you're so youthful <laughs> with your nintendo switch i can't i can't get involved with video games but did it. you did you ever though like yeah when and like, when you I were remember, a young sprout <laughs> I remember when I was very young, we had the original before Atari there. I remember that there was this it was just this one game. It was just Pong. I remember yeah. pre Atari must have been 19 my, must have been late 70s, early 80s. My dad came home with this fucking thing and he p- p- hooked it in the comp- into the onto the back of the TV. And there was like a you would switch between the, um, you would switch between the TV and the pong and we would play pong. And it was like and then when I got older, I got well a little bit older when it came out. We got ColecoVision, and I like that was like the upgrade from Atari. My friends all had Atari, and I had a ColecoVision. And then in college, I had Sega. That my friends and I, when we couldn't fish, we would play Sega fishing. And then I got to the point where I was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't get sucked into any of this stuff. It's just too much for me. But was it like a conscious decision, like this takes too much of my time and I have other things that I want to be doing? Or was were you just kind of like, this isn't really my thing, and so why do, my, why do I keep doing it? Well, I can, when I was young, I used to love Saturday morning cartoons when they were good. Mm-hmm. And then my dad, and then they'd go on and on and on, and then my dad would walk in at like 10, 30, 11 in the morning, and he'd be like, you're still watching cartoonies? And that's, he would say that to me all the time. He'd call them cartoonies. And he's like, you're still watching cartoonies? And it was like, it was a total shame. But at the same time, I was just like, yeah, he is right. I mean, it is like, you know, there is life to be had. And I, with the video games, it, they, they got all too consuming for me. And, and then actually recently, in the, when my kid was younger, somebody gave us uh, an Xbox or something and we were homesick or it was like a snow day. This is when my kid was really young. And I remember playing a video game that somebody gave us and I had a real pain in my thumb. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a gamer, and he, I said, dude, wh- I can't play this game anymore because it hurts my thumb too much. It goes to sleep, or part of my hand goes to sleep. He goes, oh, yeah, well, that's because that's you're doing this. And I was just like, I can't even get involved with, like, tricks for your hands not to go to sleep when you're playing video games. I can't do that. Yeah, that that is a thing. I mean, I don't want that. You're gripping, oh, you're gripping it too, you're gripping it, the controller's too tight. I'm like, I don't need, I don't need like some holistic situation with the fucking video games. So it's just like, I don't really, I can't fuck with it. I can't fuck with any of it, honestly. I'm like, you know, when I'm home, it's like, I can't, I can't get involved. If I don't have like a painting to do or something to do, I can't, I can't sit around and loaf 
with a video game. Okay, but th- that's actually like a good thing to um, mention is that you are, well, I mean, obviously you are an artist and you do paintings among other mediums. And like, I, I played fewer video games when I played more music. Yeah. Um, and since I don't really do that now, and also just because I'm kind of lazy, uh, like the video game is like, it's right there and it's ready to go. And it's like, okay, I'm going to sit down, especially since this is a game that I've played before. It's like little 10, 15 minute chunks. It's like, right. like, it's almost like going out for a smoke break, right? You just like remove yourself for a little bit and then do something else. But yeah, it's the late night stuff where they're like, but then I could just get this thing and I'm so close to this thing. And, um, I may have an impulse control problem where I just can't stop. Um, but also like I'm, I'm totally an inappropriate crier. Like I'll just like cry for no reason. Um, and so sometimes the only thing that gets me to stop crying is I'll sit down and play a video game for like five minutes. Cause it, it's the only thing that completely takes my mind off of whatever silly thing it was that I was crying about. Like who knows? It could be anything or nothing. Uh, this yeah. <laughs> this reminds this now this gets me into I was watching I was catching up on all your videos on YouTube since we last spoke. And like all three of them. Look, listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> I have I have a theory. I have a I, I'm so if you if you don't know, I Jessup has I Jessup has a wonderful YouTube channel, and you have this project that I, the only thing about it I don't like is I don't like it called the poop house. I wish it was something a little bit better than the poop house. Like it's, it's not just very like, elegant. <laughs> I don't know. It's not elegant. It's just like, I feel like it's some, it's, it's here's the, so it's a, it's a, basically it's in, it's this piece of property that it seems like it was abandoned by a, a guy, a per a number of people. And it's, it's like, it's really quite a project. And the videos you're, you've been putting up are of the construction and the de- the deconstruction, really, right? We're at the deconstruction point of, of the, of the poop house renovation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What I love, 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 love about what you're doing on your YouTube channel. Number one, the vlogs are the greatest. I, I and we got to talk about the vlogs, but the the trials and tribulations of taking apart part of that space, it's more to me like performance art than it is. And I'm not making a joke. I'm not making no, a joke. I, I, was, I had never thought of that, but you say that and it actually kind of makes sense. <laughs> I'll tell you why. So if you look at the the recent videos, it's she's got Jesse's got glasses on she's got a respirator on i want to talk about that because i really appreciate your safety standards because i have a real problem with youtube and and people with without safety protection you do a great job of that by the way thank you it it looks so this this property has got garbage and garbage and garbage and garbage and garbage and the videos are it's a it's a torrential avalanche of you working. And the reason why I call it performance art, because there's no, there's no voiceover over it anymore, which I like you. It immediately looks overwhelming. You looked, you look overwhelmed. And what I love about it is you're making the viewer overwhelmed and you're showing the viewer, you're bringing the viewer into a very hard spot, which is you're doing all of it by yourself and you're making me feel or trying to feel like you're feeling. And I really think it's closer to performance art than you just being a YouTuber. 
Oh, I love that. That makes me feel a lot better. I mean, isn't that what you, I mean, 30 minutes of you doing everything in one small video, which you know is just a small amount of the work, you feel overwhelmed. And it's almost like I was almost trying to think of it like like it was like a ASMR for like toil. (laughs) For toil. (laughs) For toil. Is it ASMR for toil? (laughs) I mean, what would you what else would you call it? I mean, no, you're absolutely right. You know, it's like so so it's really hard for me to get perspective on it because part of me is like. Hey, you guys, this is a lot of really hard work that is mentally and physically exhausting for so many reasons. But also I'm like looking at it and being like, this is just video of me pushing garbage around in the desert. Like, what what am I even doing? This is so stupid. And like, I always have these these moments where I'm like, I know that people like watching stuff like this, but also like, am I... Like, am I am I putting something good out in the world or am I just like, I don't know. But then at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Like this, the, my channel has kind of um, uh, subconsciously evolved into more like this is just what I'm doing. Like, you know, you talked about the voiceovers because um, I have some videos that are like kind of tutorials. It's just right. like I made this. This is how I did it. Let me talk you through a couple of things. Um, and when I made the first video for the poop house, I was like, do I do voiceover? Like, it's just gonna be like, then I put this in a garbage bag and then I put this in recycling (laughs) and then I sneezed, you know, like, what am I going to say? So I'm like, I'm going to do, I'm going to not do it, which was kind of a big thing for me. Um, and then I, I I realized that that, like, that's, I, that is kind of the beauty of it where it's just like, there's there's something about doing things around a house, no matter what state it's in, that feels more tangible, where it's like, I also live in a house and I also have to clean it sometimes. This is the worst case scenario. But like, it's why people like watching tutorials and DIY stuff and cleaning, because it's it's things they're familiar with and it makes them feel productive while they're watching it. And in fact, my friend Rachel, she's like, whenever you put out a video, she's like, I turn it on and then I clean my house while I while I have your video playing in the background. It's like we clean our houses together. <laughs> and I just that think is that's the cutest that's, thing. I, I I can feel that. I see that because we do every so often when when I'm cooking, we'll put on a movie with food in it, and we'll sometimes we'll eat with. I mean, when I, when I first was with my wife originally, uh, when we first moved in together, we had no money, and she was in school, and I was like just trying to hustle everything around. So we would have very our groceries were. I mean, it was beans and rice. It was like you know, I mean, we weren't destitute, but it was like we weren't spending money on food. So like I would con- I would always watch. I would always make rice and beans and then turn on the Food Network. And it was Mm. like, it made it better. So I can totally understand that willingness. But what I love about it is it is a conscious decision because, you know, YouTube, I mean, I know that you and and you're you're surrounded by like YouTubers and there's content talk. I'm sure there's content talk at all the time, which would drive me out of my fucking mind, be honest with you. Oh, yeah. But and I know so many YouTubers and I actually my favorite new joke about YouTubers is, you know, that uh, the the restoration vice or restoration anvil video is mm. like the moth to flames for YouTubers. It's like <laughs> it's like the drug. It's like the drug of a YouTuber. Let's let's re, let's let's restore, uh, restore this vice. And I, I find that to be for some reason, I find it to be very funny. But 
you've taken it you've taken you've taken this this channel and you've made it very much along the lines of I'm not teaching you anything. Mm. But look at this fucking space. Look at look where do you start? That's when I when I when you pan around and you're showing things and you're you know so you used to walk around and say all right this is where this is going to go and uh, this is what this is and you you talked about the 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 man who used to live there and you talked about the squatters who were there and you know these ethical dilemmas that you were having and the more along the lines of the ethical dilemmas that you were having with the with the commenters in mm-hmm. regards to you know the, their judgment on you in regards to blah 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 you've made the decision to like overwhelm the viewer and put them in the same shoes that you're in. You're I, look, where do I, where do we start? It, that's what I love the most. And then when you pick a place to start and something doesn't go right, there's a shoulder shrug and there's this resign, you're resigned to, well, I got to do it. Some, something's got to happen. And you, you really do transform your videos into this elaborate performance art where you're bringing the viewer along with you. Yeah. I, it's always hard for me to, um, to get started on a video. Like, where do you start? Do you just like immediately show cleaning up? Like, I feel like context is important and I do really want to try and, uh, relay how, how much is going on. And, and like every time I step on the property, um, I feel completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I've, I've worked so hard on it for years now and it's still like, there's still so much to do. There's still tons of garbage on the property itself. And my house is still just bare studs inside. Um, so it's like, I, I do want to be able to convey like, this is, this is the long haul. Right. But then yeah. also I don't, I don't want to be like, I don't want people to look at me and be like, oh, you're just like, oh, I have so much work to do and everything is such a big deal because it is. But also, like, I hate it when people are like, yeah, you know, like, I'm it's just everything is so hard and and poor me all the time because I've never felt like I've never stepped onto my property and thought poor me. Like, right, I'm always course. like, I may not be super excited that day. And I'm like, you know fuck this place but also i love it and i want to make it nice like i want to do it for like the property itself even just aside from me because it's it's just an exciting thing for me so i always struggle with um like how to accurately convey things when it's understood that i'm recording it so people can watch it like i was talking to um actually speaking of those those masks that i wear you know so i i've worn the same um dust mask and particle mask for the last couple of years. I I absolutely love it. I got a, my first sponsorship from them, which was super cool. Give them a plug. Give them a plug. I almost, I want to buy one. (laughs) RZ mask. It's absolutely the best. Um, Like I've, it's the only mask I've ever been able to wear comfortably for hours at a time. Um, And like, nobody wants to wear one. Like, it's not fun. We don't love it. But like, this is for me, it's been the absolute best situation. Um, And so I was super excited when they reached out to me and were like, hey, we want to sponsor a video. And I was like, great. Yeah. And then like a couple weeks went by and I emailed them again. I was like, "Uh, did you want to send me some notes and like your your points lists and your whatever? And they're like, oh, no, just you. We know that you wear them all the time. So just talk about why you wear them and and why you. Like you've chosen to wear this particular mask for the entirety of the project. And I was like, oh, 
that's super cool, right? Like a company that's actually like, don't talk about the things you never use, like talk about the, the reasons why you're doing this. And so I, what I realized trying to record this, you know, mid-roll ad read was that it's really difficult to sound genuine being like, no, but seriously, I know that they're paying me, but really I do like this. And this is why for all of like, you know, here's my three reasons, which of course are their three main points why they want you to buy this particular mask, yeah. like the way that it, you know, um, goes around the back of your head and like the way it has the little nose piece and the, um, the filters and whatever. But like, I'm recording myself and I'm watching it back and it just, even though it's a hundred percent genuine, like the, the masks I was wearing even were ones that I bought with my own money, but it sounds so disingenuous. It's like, it's so hard right. to sound really real when you're recording yourself because you're not bouncing off another person being like, yeah, you know, where the excitement is like, yeah, I really like this. Try it on. You'll see. And then they're like, yeah, that's totally cool. Um, but to just sit there and record it, every time I watched it back, I was like, I, I don't, I, it sounds like I'm reading from a script, but it's just all the things that I like. So that's a whole other thing. I don't know. I don't know why I make it so hard on myself. I just, ugh. Here's, I mean, the, the ad stuff's interesting because, I mean, I've been dealing with ad guys in regard, I'm going to add guys, but I've been dealing with companies for full blast podcast and, you know, I help, I cultivated, I help cultivate all the sponsors we have for Knife Talk and I have talked to every single one of them and I, I feel like it's, I like, I like having sponsors on board that we stand by mm -hmm. and you know, with uh, Trojan Horse Forge, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, I didn't approach them. They just said, hey, Jeff, we want to send you advice and see what you think. And then I was just like, well, I can't just not, I can't just not. And I want to give you some, I want to give you some, as many plugs as I can give you, you know? So mm -hmm. like I, I, everybody has been really good. And it, it is interesting that nowadays we, we have, as if YouTubers or content creators, you do have to think about, well, I mean, at some point, some, somebody's got to get paid for something. You know, mm -hmm. so I don't have, I never even thought about, and when I watch your videos and I watch them all, I never really thought anything was weird. I didn't think any of your, I thought it was a really kind of, I, what I, what I took away more than anything else was I have a real problem with YouTubers and people on Instagram who are doing things and are not wearing safety gear. Mm -hmm. I have a real problem with it. And to the point where I actually talked to Pat Quinn a couple months ago. And we were talking about how how unsafe a lot of people are. Right. And it's a problem. It's a huge problem. And it's a problem because, not because, I know there are a lot of people say, well, this is my shop. I do what I want. You can't tell mm -hmm. me to wear a glass or something like that. The problem isn't that. The problem is, is people see you and then they imitate you. So if you're not wearing safety glasses, you can say, yeah, it's my shop. I don't want to wear safety glasses. I don't wear safety glasses. Okay. Well, then there's going to be, I'm going to see a video of a kid who's not wearing safety glasses. And he saw his favorite knife maker not wear safety glasses. So he doesn't think he has to wear safety glasses. Fine. But just be aware that that's happened. So one thing I do appreciate is the fact that you are concerned because I don't think I'd want to breed any of that shit in either. And I mean, maybe you don't want to wear a giant respirator with cans on the side, you know, so I, I have no problem with your ad reads. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the, the safety thing is funny because I feel like 
I I think it's pretty safe to say that I am more cautious than most people that we see in internet videos. <laughs> I agree. I <laughs> because I do take agree. it seriously. Um, and for me, it was more about like finding what works for me. Like that's, that's part of the problem, right? We don't want to wear safety gear because a, we just want to do whatever we're doing in the moment. And it's just right. easier if you don't have to think about it. And B spending the time and money and energy to try out different safety gear to figure out what fits you best. It's like, that's an investment in itself. And if you don't, if you don't value it enough, you're not going to do that. And like, I spent many, many of my own dollars um, trying to figure out what safety gear fits me because also I am not the typical construction worker that all of this stuff was made for, right? right. Like I am a small little girl person and um, like it's hard to find gloves that fit. It's hard to find safety glasses that are that are small enough to fit my head without pinching it so hard that I get a headache at the end of the day, right? So like right. those packs of safety glasses, like the wraparound ones that you can get that everyone wears, um, I can put them on just fine. But the minute I start to look down... They slide down to the bottom of my nose. Right. So, like, I can't wear the ones that everyone wears. So I spent a lot of time figuring out which ones I can wear. I came, found this one company that sells these giant black rimmed, like, they just look like nerd glasses. Um, but I, I have love those. them. They're great. They I, they fit my face really well. Um, and, like, they, they go really well with my mask, which is important. They don't get all fogged up. And, uh, like, finding those things, like, that, I think, is the important thing. It's like, take a minute, look at all your options. Don't just buy the first thing on the shelf and be like, this doesn't fit. You know, I'm not doing it. They take a minute to build up your armory and then go from there. Um, because I have been able to find gloves. I have been able to find glasses. I have been able to find, like, everything that I need. It just took a little extra time. And then it's like... Then I know when I go to work, I have all my things in my little bag, and then I can mix and match depending on my situation. Um, I do think it's funny that you're you're you uh, you have noticed my my bent towards wearing safety gear because I still get a lot of comments from people telling me that I'm being extremely unsafe because I'm not wearing steel-toed boots and a hard hat and you know blah 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 blah. There, there are That's, some things. There are some things that I don't feel are necessary because of my very particular working situation. <sighs> I was gonna say, you know what? I was gonna. I, I already knew. I was gonna say. I know people don't like that you wear sneakers, mm-hmm. and it's what's interesting. Backing it up to glasses, I actually just bought a pack of safety glasses what i always do is if i see something that's like i haven't tried before like one-offs i'll get an extra pair so i got i got a new pair i got the stuff i normally wear and then i got something new just to try them out Mm -hmm. i those black glasses too just to let you know if if those black glasses too one of the interesting i don't know the name of them i forgot the name of the company but they look like you know like buddy holly glasses safety glasses they have the lenses are flat and when you're sanding on a grinder or something like that, or you're sharpening or you, you need to not, it helps with less glare. There's something mm-hmm. about the flatness of those glasses that take down a little bit of glare if you have lights right overhead. 
Like I've noticed that I made a hu- it's made a huge difference because I guess those wraparound glasses are a little domed. So mm-hmm. like there's something about the doming that makes you they're not as I don't know it was it was it had to do with the light in my shop and the way I grind something and it was like I know it was a noticeable difference. So it, I definitely afford that. But the funny thing about the shoe thing is I know that you get a lot of trouble because that's your signature look. You got the one black Chuck Taylor and the one red Chuck Taylor, whatever. The shoe thing's always tough because I hated, I was in two shops. One of them, you had to wear steel-toed shoes. And I hated wearing steel-toed shoes. Mm. It's just not comfortable, you know, especially like if you're TIG welding or geez, even if you're just driving. Like if I'm driving with steel-toed shoes, for some reason, I feel like my foot gets caught on the brake when I'm switching over to the, the accelerator. And I, I just, I'm not a huge fan of steel-toed shoes to the point where I wear sneakers in my shop. Um mm. I would be more worried in your situation of stepping on a nail, which I've done, you know, so like, but in regards to like the safe, this, you know, you do everything you can. I'm far more interested in how YouTubers or I don't even want to call you a YouTuber. I feel like that. I don't know if that's an insult or I don't know if that's a, you take that as a compliment or that's like normal, normal thing. Or do you consider yourself a YouTuber? Uh, not really. I mean, I don't, I think that every term that we have to me, it sounds insulting. Yeah, <laughs> um, although my, my least favorite is still influencer. I feel like that's a yucky thing that people do when they have no natural ability. They just use their prettiness to sell you like face cream. Do you know what my daughter says to me? She's so obnoxious. And I love my daughter, but sometimes she's so obnoxious. I'll do like a little, like a little, you know, something for the stories. And if she's in beer by, she goes, oh, there goes the influencer. Or, 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 or he thinks he's an influencer. (laughs) She, she, her, 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 uh, her, her bass teacher, Mm -hmm. she's got this awesome bass teacher who's like a really good, he's like a really, he's probably the, like the best musician in our, in our little city. And he's like a real busy musician. He was saying, I liked your dad's videos in my, and she goes to him, oh, he thinks, he thinks he's a fucking, you know, she, she said, he thinks he's an influencer. Don't worry about that. So she's like, she's taking shots at me all the time. That it, but when if she calls me an influencer, I take it as a fucking shot. Like that oh, is absolutely. not. I'm not. I take that. She as is a not complimenting shot. you. <laughs> oh no, no 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 no! But it's funny. It's like it's a little ball. She gives you a little ball. The ball breaking. I don't mind. But at the same time, it's just like she's just not. If she said to somebody, "My father's an influencer," it would not be. It would be very like dripping in in in. Not venom, but it would be drip, dripping in like, you know, he fucking guy thinks he's an influencer. It would be obnoxious. And I'd be like, I'm never, I'm putting my phone away. Get it back get right. out of here. But like, if, if someone says influencer, like the first thing that comes to mind is, to, for me, is a girl in a bikini. She probably has fake boobs. Her lips have been injected so that she looks like she's going to peck your eyes out. And she's making some sort of face while she's, she sells you like bronzing cream. And like to me, that's what an influencer is. And I know that, like, oh my gosh, I've been arguing with people over semantics for way too long. But like to me, that's what it means. Where it's like the only thing that I do is influence you to do things. Where like I, um, so I also work with Isotunes, the um, the ear defenders, yeah. and um, you know, I put out stories for them. I do six um, a month. Um, do non non consecutive stories and. 
on months where I'm, you know, not really at my best, sometimes those are the only stories that I post. So people will be like, those are the only things I see. And then it feels to them, I'm, it's like I'm posting every day about this one thing. Right. And I had someone who's actually a friend of mine, like reach out and, um, He's not a very close friend. <laughs> He's a new friend. But he was like, oh, I just feel like you don't really want to do that. And like they're like making you do something you don't want to do. And like this is why I say that he's like not a very close friend. He doesn't know me that well. Where I'm like, do you think that anyone can get me to do something that I don't want to do? Because you've just completely like missed everything about who I am. And like there's... Like, I've never told anyone, like, this is a product that I like unless it was a product that I liked. Right. And, like, everyone that I've worked with, um, like, Isotunes, RZ Mask, um, my workwear company, Dovetail Workwear, those are all things that I initially bought them with my own money, tried them out, really liked them, started tagging them and stuff, and they reached out to me. Like, that's how I want to do business. And like, there are right. other things like I've done um, sponsorships with like uh, Skillshare and Squarespace. Squarespace was easy because that's what my website is on my website that I never use or update. Um, but like six years, I've had this website. And then I started working with them last year. Super easy. No brainer. Skillshare, you know, like, it's not like the particular way that I like to learn things, but it's also somewhere where I've gone to learn things, you know, like mm -hmm. I prefer to like be very hands on, get dirty, but, um, you know, being able to learn things on the internet, like that's amazing. And I'm, I'm fully behind this, this concept of like online learning. Um, and in this case, a lot of times from people who are professionals instead of people like me who just, you know, play one on TV. Um, but like, I get I get super annoyed because um, once you start, like if you're just showing your life and the things that you do in it and then you start adding in like product endorsements or not even product endorsements, but, you know, sponsor spots, sponsor spots. That's not easy for me to say. Uh, people start questioning, like, do you really like it or do you just get paid to say that? And it's like. There is no amount of money that you could pay me to tell you something that's not true. Like, that's just not going to happen. And literally, that's why I don't have a TV show, because I am always the sticking point where everything, everything Ben and I have ever done together, all of our interviews and pilots and sizzles and whatever's, it always comes down to Ben has literally said in interviews, like, you can't make Jessie do anything that she doesn't want to do because she has a very strong moral standard. I mean, it applies only to me. It's not like I'm... I, like, I don't really care if someone else is like, I just want the money and I think this thing is not bad. That's fine. I don't really care. Do whatever you want. But I know for me, it's really, really important. Like, I spend, I spend so much time thinking about the things that make my life better and the things that make my life easier and the things that, you know, keep me alive to the end of the day so that I can try it all over again the next day. And like, that is everything from my tank tops to my computers, which mine is old and I'm waiting on a new one, to the people in my life. Like if if you're if you're not the thing that I want, if you're not the person that I want in my life, then you're gone. I'll just move on. Like and 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 it annoys me, I think, on a personal level, because when people question like the thing that I am promoting, 
I'm like, do you not understand that I don't do that? Like, I feel like now I've failed in saying who I am as a person. And it it's not about being a good person. I don't think I'm a particularly great person. But I am a person who tells the truth, like, even if you don't want to hear it. And um, I've, you know, I've, I've tried a lot of different things. Like I even, <laughs> I just got a travel bag that I really like, and I took it out on its maiden voyage when I went to my cousins. And I think this is now my travel bag going forward. But, you know, it's like, I like the research and I like the, um, I like to figure out what works best for me. It's not for everyone, but I don't really care about everyone. I just want to tell people, this is what I've found. I think it's great. You might also like it. Whatever happens from here is up to you. And that's my stance on influencers. <laughs> Here's, But what's interesting is, and this has to do with how we see social media, but also the relationship between the viewer and the, oh, you know, whoever makes the video or something like that. You especially have a, or I don't know, maybe not just you, maybe it's anybody who's in YouTube who realizes that, uh, you know, you do have to, you know, it really, it does pay to uh, interact with the people watching your videos. You always, and you, you know, there's not one YouTuber that I know, and I'm not calling you a YouTuber, I'm just using the expression. Yeah. There's not one of them that I've talked to who hasn't addressed that the viewers and the comments from the viewers affect them. And affect them positively and negatively. You know, like, you know, Alec talk. you know, he mentions it every so often. Oh, you guys said that I did this wrong or something like that. Or Jimmy always talks about, you know, some, you know, something that the viewers are going to bitch about. Or I always, I'm always interested in the fact that there is, and I looked at your comments and I even sent you a screenshot of (laughs) some of them are so, some of them are so obnoxious some of them are so supportive and it really does affect you. Now, now with that said, I believe that the internet is incredible, is the most incredible, probably incredible invention in the last, you know, few hundred years. This thing, I mean, it is amazing. It's what it has also done. It has taken away the concept of the television show because now you, you are, you're not just a, you're, you're your own television program. You know, podcasting is I'm my own radio station, you know, and, and, you know, you can, you can, you can do your stocks. Now all of a sudden there's these, you know, Bitcoin and and, and cryptocurrency. And then there's all these incredible things that you can take yourself. You don't know, you don't necessarily need albums anymore. You don't need to go to the record store anymore because you can get download everything. And TV is out the window because now you can, you know, you can stream directly from your, you know, blah, blah, blah. YouTube though is you have this, the, the viewer has this instant access to the creator of whatever they're writing or whatever they're filming and they have instant access to you and it affects you to a certain degree. I don't know how that is, that feels after looking at some of your comments. One person said, what did I, what did I say? He, one person said, asked, do you have Invisalign? Invisalign braces. And then your response was, no, I have a speech impediment. Yes. Yeah, that's something that is. uh, Yeah. Um, So I have a lisp, if that's not totally clear from this audio. Um, It's something that like when I worked in restaurants, um, 
I started working in a, in a, in a restaurant. I worked in the same one for 13 years. And uh, it was interesting because it was right around the time when Invisalign was starting to get really popular. Um, right. And so it became this thing where my customers, like just random people who would come in to eat at a sushi restaurant and I'm handing out the sushi and they're like, oh, do you wear Invisalign? And it's not even that like I'm not offended. Like I know I have a lisp. It's like not like we have to pretend I don't. But what a weird thing to say. Like. The only, weird. Thing, the only thing that I can really um, pinpoint is that I, I feel like there was a time when people were like, oh, this is a fairly new thing. Maybe this person knows something about it. But at the same time, it's like it's kind of like the, the concept of asking a, a girl like, oh, are you pregnant? It's like, first of all, why do you need to know that? Like if like if we're not friends, there's really no reason that you need to know that unless you're my doctor. Um but like, why do we ask these questions that they're, they're so inconsequential? The answer will have no bearing on your life. It's like when when people will comment on on a video where it's like, I'm literally moving bags of garbage in 100 degrees. And they're like, do you have a boyfriend? It's like, what bearing does this have on anything? Like, that's <laughs> does that change anything? Like, the question should be like, I don't even mind when people are like, are you recycling stuff? Like it kind of annoys me just because like, leave it alone. But like, what does that have to do with anything? Why do you ask these questions? Do you think that makes you like know me more as a person to know, like if I happen to be dating someone or am married or whatever, like it has nothing to do with you. Why do you need to ask these questions? Ugh, gross. It's, it's, it's actually interesting because I was thinking about it and especially, I don't know, I, I, I it's very, str- I find that commenting in general is generally to elicit a response to create a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I believe that it is not, I, I, I think even the worst things that people say might not necessarily be vicious in intent. But to create, to get you by hook or by crook to respond, and then that response may be the lead to a relationship. And when I say relationship, I mean a friendship. Like, it is people who write me questions, and they're like, I mean, they're like very nothing. I'm not even going to respond to them because it's just like, you know, is that your favorite color? Or it's just, these, <laughs> just these questions that are just right. like, these questions are like, I'm not going to get into a relationship with you. I'm not right. going to get into, you know, we're not, this is your, tr- this, I know what you're doing. I know what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to, and I find it to be very strange. And it, what it found, made me find, especially looking at yours, and a lot of them are very positive. Oh, you have, yes. However, I wonder if you were, if, if, if you were a guy, mm-hmm. I wonder how supportive some of them would be mm-hmm. because there, there are a lot of them that are just super like, I love you. You're so fun. And I go, go you go. I mean, it is over. What you're doing is incredibly overwhelming, like mm-hmm. totally overwhelming. But I like I just wonder if it's like, do you feel like it's some of it's patronizing, even like the positive stuff? And it's like it's I mean, it is to an extent like you, like the thing to always keep in mind is these are strangers. The only thing that they know about me is what I put out on the Internet. Um, and I think that 
it's interesting how much of my audience has shifted since I started doing this one huge project where it's like it used to be I used to be like 90% male audience and it flipped to be um it's almost even but it's it's a little bit more female than male which is like kind of a big deal cuz more guys watch YouTube than girls um so I feel like my comment section has taken a turn for the better because yeah. I I feel like I feel like my target audience right now is like um, girls my age up until their 60s. And it's fun because I'll get like a lot of grandmothers who are like, I was doing stuff like this when I was your age and like and no one did it back then. And like, it's so good to see that you're doing it now. And like, those are the comments that I think are super cool where it's. The, the best thing that I can give is just like a, a connection where it's like, I'm doing a thing. Maybe you have, maybe you want to, maybe you are in the midst of it, but like it creates a connection between the two of us where we can kind of like support each other without even actually having contact. Like, um, I mean, the amount of people who are just like, oh, this has inspired me to go clean the top of my fridge, you know, just like random silly little things like that, that I feel are actually super meaningful because you know, with everything that we have that goes on in our lives, often our own spaces that we live in are the ones that get neglected the most, um, you know, where it's just like, well, this is just now my stopping point where I sleep and make food. And it's just like always kind of messy because it just feels like I do so much during the day that when I come home, I don't want to think about anything. And I think that um, like just that that little bit of like I'm doing a really gross job. That's just an escalation of what is in your house with your pile of dirty laundry on the floor where it's like, hey, if you can do that, I can clean up these clothes or like do a load of laundry or fold it or do the dishes or something like that. And like, I feel like that's where most of my comments are that or like, I could never do what you're doing. That's amazing, which it's not. You just have to have literally all the time in the world. Um, so it's like you have to quit your job. But, you know, even though you know people do this on their weekends because they have a lot of hustle. But um, but yeah, it's like nothing that I do is astounding. I think it's just the fact that I'm doing it and everyone else can see it if they want to. But if you're taking a project that's small and that's arduous, let's just say, you know, anything that's like takes a day or two, there are parts of it, the beginning stages that are just, you know, very, you know, difficult. And what I see with your project is that this is just on a gr much grander scale and it's far more heroic that you are doing it and with I can just imagine like Jesus H Christ. One thing I did love was you broke up um, some of the uh, what are we going to call this? We ASMR toil or what are we going to call it? <laughs> ASMR toil. Like, <laughs> ASMR toil videos with where you built the you built that little beautiful little house for your uh, your wildlife. My Gary house. Yeah. You're, you've named all these different animals and you've had to have conversations with the with the viewers in regards to what they are. You have these beautiful little squirrels that you what I want you to know that I tried to feed a, a bird out of the hand when I was not well like a year ago. And I was and my kid saw me standing on the robe with a fucking handful of bird seed <laughs> was not happening whatsoever. Um but you built this beautiful little house, and what I loved about it was at the end of the video, you had these these movers move in this beautiful piano into one of the rooms that you cleared out, and you played the the piano in this 
you know, it's not obviously not finished. There's still studs, but the floor is, you know, completely everything's out of it. It's just like bare space with this beautiful piano in there. And it was like this, it was like this flag of completion to a certain degree. Like it was, it was like a moment of in a video game where, where Mario jumps on the flagpole and the flag comes down, you know, yes. and, and he's, 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 that was the, that was that, that is what that felt like to me. It was like, it was like this milestone moment in the, in that project. Yeah, it was, um, such a strange, uh, turn of events. Um, because my, my sister, my older sister who lives in LA, uh, she sent me a text message back in March of last year. And she's like, um, hey, do you want a baby grand piano? And I said, yes, you know, obviously. And she's like, okay, well, um, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get it delivered to you. And I was like, whoa, like I have, I have a house that's been gutted. Um, and it's like literally it's closed up with a padlock and there's nothing in it and I have to rebuild everything. Like this is a terrible time. And she's like, do you want it or not? Because it's going to be gotten rid of. Um, it is, uh, unofficially, a, a semi-famous piano that, um, let's just say it fell off the back of a truck into my sister's arms. And she's like, either, wait a second, wait a second, <laughs> either wait you a take second. it now or nobody gets we, it. We need a little bit more juice. We need a little bit more, you need to give me a little bit more juice than it's unofficially a famous piano. Come on. Well, without revealing too much. Um, there was a certain theater in LA that was being demolished or renovated. I think it's being demolished actually. Um, and they have a piano, which at their highly televised events, famous people would play it. And, uh, because my sister knows people, she got a call that said, this piano is literally going to the dump because we're not allowed to sell it. And it's like, since it belongs to this building and company, it's, you know, we can't give it away. But if someone were to be there when it is being moved outside to this dumpster truck, if it went onto a moving van instead, then nobody would know. So my sister already has uh, a baby grand piano and an upright piano. Uh, because she's actually a pianist. And so, like, her friends gave her this beautiful baby grand, which she has never had in a space. But she lived because she's been living in an apartment since forever. So <laughs> it's just, like, been in storage. Um, and then the upright piano, which lives at my parents' house, it's the one that we grew up learning how to play. Um, so technically, that was always meant to be hers. Um, but uh, so I, you know, I have always wanted a real piano. Um I, I have a I have a full keyboard with weighted keys that I love. It's great, but you know it's not a piano, and um, like it's not a real piano. And so she was just like, "You say yes now, or this doesn't happen." And so I said yes, and she goes, "Okay, good. This is your birthday present then." And so you know she paid to have it hauled from L.A. These poor guys had to move it across the sand, which I. I really wanted to um, video them, but I didn't want to put that pressure on them and make it feel like, like, I, I kind of felt like it, it seemed like I was waiting for them to drop it so that I could post a fail video. Like, that's what it felt like. So I didn't video them moving across the sand, even though they did an amazing job. Um, but yeah, so now I, I have this like 450 square foot gutted garbage house in the desert that has the only thing in it is a baby grand piano that I play for the squirrels. 
Can you imagine what they thought when they're driving <laughs> this fucking piano into the desert? <laughs> and then they show up and they're just like, these directions can't be right. Because, I mean, it literally looks like, I mean, it, your, your, your property looks like, I mean, it doesn't look like a rental. It, it looks like, I mean, it looks like a bomb went off in it. I mean, it really legitimately looks like something out of like a abandoned Mad Max situation, like a ravaged place. Absolutely. Guys, like it, it, it looks like this is where they, everyone they, goes to dump their garbage. <laughs> what did they say when the truck arrived? So what did the truck were, drivers say? They were so professional. They looked very confused when they like, yeah. were just hovering outside my outside my excuse for a gate. And like my property is all sand. There's no driveway. I don't even have roads. It's two intersecting like sand ditches that you drive through. I don't have actual roads. So they're just creeping along and like kind of looking, being like, I really hope this isn't the place, but it seems like it is. You know, they pull up to this house that has obviously been abandoned by several people. And so they like look over and I ran out and been like, yes, this is where you're supposed to be. They're like, you're Jesse. And I was like, yes. And they're like, OK. And I can they imagine didn't say a word. That, they didn't say I a can word. imagine that drive must have been like, this is fucking ridiculous. This must be a real rich person or this must be. And then they're going, we must have gone the wrong way. This can't be right. This can't be right. And then they show up out of your side of your door and they're just like, we're totally wrong. And then you show up and they're just like, it's got to be. I would have loved to talk to those guys because it would have been like, that would have been so fascinating because, you know, they're, they're usually delivering pianos to like wherever, but not like absolutely. This, I mean, this is like. This is this is tantamount to driving up to a city dump and just having a person be like, right. yeah, yeah, drop off this yeah, piano here. here. It'll be fine. Yeah. This is where I, I live. live here. It's not weird. Yeah, it's I normal. Live, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, this is right. This is the right address. Why? Come on, man. The other thing about your videos that I love is I love the vlogs because you're very good at comedic editing. One of the hardest parts and one of the reasons why I don't do any YouTube or don't do video is because I don't like to rehearse or say I don't like I'm not good at like I'm not good at like preparing jokes I'm not good at like I'm not good at acting to be honest with you like I can't I can't act out a thing so even on my stories like if I say something and then halfway through I hate it I'll just talk about how much I hate myself and then that's I'll, how and then Melker Camp over, happened that's Melker what, that's, Camp for life that's right. Well, listen, you know, the funny thing is I see it. I see something very similar between the two of us because, you know, all right, you got to do it, you know, like a, for maker camp, I, I, I had to say something and then, you know, and I was like, I re really didn't want to say any. I don't like doing any of it. And then I, I don't like putting a camera on myself. I don't like saying stuff. But when I say something that I think is sounds terrible. I'll just talk about how much I despise myself or how I how I how repulsed I am about what I just said. And then when I stop hitting record, I watch back and I'm like, well, you know what? That's how I feel. That's how it's going to be. And then I'll <laughs> post it because I'm not good at like, all right, say this and then say that and then say this. Like I like the podcasting because I don't do any editing. I just, you know, whatever I say, I say. I noticed that with you that you do the same thing, but you're also very good at editing in these when you do your vlogs where you're answering questions, you're talking about what you're doing, you're talking about the projects. You're very good at like, inter, you're very good at splicing 
things that happen to you. And I just don't know how you have the, the foresight to know, oh, yeah, I have a picture of me like with wearing like a cheese hat or something like that. And I just don't know how you have the mindset of thinking about how you do your editing. And it's very funny. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I the way that I edit everything is the way that basically it's what I want to see. That's totally my sense of humor. It's very like lowbrow, not like puns. because I hate puns, but just like silly things like tripping over your words, um, you know, tripping over something literally, or just the amount of times that I look at the camera to make sure that it's still recording. Cause I have a bad habit of forgetting that batteries run out or like you run out of space on a card or with my camera, it will record, it'll record up to a certain point and then just stop and be like, this file is now too big. And like, I will forget to have checked for that. Um, so like in my, one of my last Instagram videos that I made where it's just like, you know, little clips from the bigger project on YouTube, it, they're like four it's four specific times that I, I like awkwardly looked at the camera, just like made eye contact in an uncomfortable way. And like, I think those things are really funny and like not for any particular reason. It's just my sense of humor. And I feel like I got kind of lucky because I mean, a lot of people don't get my sense of humor. But once you put things on the Internet, <laughs> your your audience gets a lot broader. And there's bound to be people who will be like, I also think this is funny. Like. I um when I was telling I was telling Brett, Mr. Skull and Spade, that like my my height of comedy for me is like doing Instagram stories and then matching a piece of music to it. Like searching through the the music um tab and being like, what is the the funniest song to me that will go with this? And I think that the best one I ever did was there was this super fat caterpillar that had like a unicorn horn and he was just, he was just like rumbling across this concrete pad. So it's like the only thing you could see. And I paired it with um, the milkshake song, the milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Yeah. And it was like, I, I, I rewatched this story of my own like four times and just laughed out loud because I am a simple human and I found it <laughs> hilarious. And so like, I don't like, I, like, I don't really like jokes and I, I, I don't really enjoy people who make jokes because they like want people to laugh. I just say things that I think are silly that make me laugh. And then if one other person laughs, then I look at them, I'm like, you, you and I are going to be friends. Like, that's how I'm going to weed you out. Everyone else is going to give me like the hairy eyeball, but there's one dork in the corner who's laughing at my not even joke, just a stupid thing that I said. I'm like, we are going to be friends. Um, but that's that's what you have this you have this total dichotomy between the ASMR toil videos <laughs> and these like the vlogs are hilarious. I, I think that if I think that it, it must be very I think that for me, the idea of all the editing that you have to do for all these videos, it seems like it's always just a lot of work. Like, I just don't. I have no interest in doing, I mean, this podcast is all, I don't do any editing. Any editing that happens is because if somebody drops out or has to be spliced together, but I find it all to be too hard. It's not, it becomes not fun. Yeah. It it takes me like a good three days to edit a video. And like, I, I take an abnormally long time to edit videos. Um, 
just because of the way that I do them and like everything is timed to the music and it's not easy to do in iMovie, which I need to grow out of iMovie, but I just hate new things. Um, so like it, it takes me a full like three days to take my 20 hours of footage and oh pare it down God. to 30 minutes and then match it with all of the different pieces of music and, you know, everything that I want to say. And also just because it's like, I, I go back and forth over things so many times and usually I'll get to about like 60% completion on a video and then decide that I want it to look different and then like kind of start over. Oh. Um, so that's, but like, I also just make things really hard on myself. The nice thing about the vlogs is like, I'll just sit down and write a list of things that I want to talk about. Um, you know, including like, Good comments, bad comments, why I did certain things. Here's some things I'm working on. Here's things that I was doing that nobody saw because I wasn't posting about it, you know. So I have a list of things I want to talk about. And then I just sit down in front of the camera and I, I talk about each thing individually. And it takes like, I don't know, 30 minutes, you know. It's super, it's like, it's really, comparatively, it's really easy. The the funny thing is, like, if I sit down in front of a camera, because also, right, it's just me. Like, I set up right. the camera, hit the focus, I, I push the button, it starts recording, I go sit at my table or, you know, whatever it is. And then I just stare at the camera for a good five minutes without saying anything. Because it's weird. getting started is so difficult for me. It's weird. Like, I, it's every single clip will have minutes of just me staring at the camera and like kind of an intake of breath and then deciding, Ugh. nope, that's not it. And like wiggling my nose, which is why I have so many little cuts of like me, like scratching my eyebrows or wiggling my nose, putting my hair behind my ears. These are all just my little fidgets that I do. Like, you know, clapping my hands. Like these are all the things I do. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm very uncomfortable. It's just me in an empty room sitting in front of a camera. I do this a lot, but the the mere fact that I'm sitting down like this is happening now, I always have to cut off the first three to five minutes because it's completely silent, except for me doing like little coughs and sniffs. And it's every time I see it, I feel so pathetic because it's just it's so silly. How am I not better at this at getting started? I have no idea. So I, I actually started doing um for for stuff around the poop house when I do some talk to the camera. Cause I think, I think that is important, you know, it like creates more of a connection, but I, it's much easier for me to just hold up my phone, press the button and talk to it because I can also like stop and start without standing up, getting around a table, going and pressing the button to turn it off and then having to refocus and do all that right. stuff. Ugh. It's more in the moment. Right. Um, so I started doing that a lot and it was great until now that I'm looking back at a lot of this footage, Something is up with a microphone on my camera to where the audio, it, it just goes in and out, like really loud, really soft. And I don't know what that is. Maybe there's too much poop house dust in it. Um, but that's another technical problem I'm dealing with, among others. Uh, yeah, so i got to figure that one out. Now, back to, I mean, back to the fact that you, Maker Ranch is populated by not only your brother, but you have YouTubers, you know, who do this, you know, for a living too. Do they ever talk to you about like, 
do they ever give you unsolicited advice or do you ever go to them and say, here's what I'm doing, what do you think? Or, or do they leave you alone? How does that, how do you do YouTube videos when there are other YouTube video people in the same compound? This house is full of unsolicited advice. Like there are five of us who all do things in our own way and like we'll literally never change for anyone. And so it's really humorous to like sit back and watch any of the other two talk about like, this is how I do it. Why do you do it your way? And it's like, because I do it my way because I like it and your way is stupid. You know, like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good conversation that goes on, too, because um, uh you know, just having insight into a way that other people do things, even if you don't like it, you can also learn from it. Right. So like you can watch 10 YouTube videos on how to tile a bathroom and do none of them, but you've already learned what you don't want to do. You've eliminated problems before they arose. Like, so everything that goes on, it's like, it's all very useful. Um, and I will say that no one is really pushy. It's more like I do it this way. And the rest of us are like, that's stupid. You know, that's fine. Whatever. Oh, we all, <laughs> we all have our own differing levels of success. And like, I, um, you know, Ben does his fast paced videos where everything is sped up. And I've like completely diverted away from that. Though sometimes in, in my cleanup videos, I bump it up to, a um, bump it up by 15%. So it's imperceptible to the person who's watching it, but it's just because I, I tend to move really slowly. And so on, it it just takes up so much time. So I can, I can move my speed up on the video by 15% and it just looks like someone naturally moving, which is kind (laughs) of sad. (laughs) You're speeding up the video to make you look normal. Is that what you're saying? I'm like a sloth. I move so slowly (laughs) within this space. And like, Part of it is intentional because, you know, I'll be out there for like six hours and, you know, I don't I don't have um, I don't have anywhere to sit to take a break unless I just sit in the dirt. You know, there's there's nothing out there. The closest place to like get something to eat or drink is like 15 minutes away. Um, You know, there's there's no bathroom. It's like it's not a comfortable place to be. So if I just if I were to go out there every day and just like go full bore, I would burn out so fast. and especially for the silly, um, like ground clearing, there's so much that I'm like, I'm digging in the dirt, finding like telephones buried under the sand or, you know, the, the occasional carpet. It's like, I never know what I'm going to find. And I never know if there's going to be snakes. And I never know if there, I'm going to find a Gary nest that I don't want to disturb or like the box full of bees that's in the middle of my property or just like handfuls of nails. So I move really slowly. I look at everything that I'm picking up. Um, Even before I turn the camera on, I do a walk around where I'm going to work if it's outside um, and just like hit things with a stick to see if there's a snake that wants to let me know that he's hanging out. (laughs) And that's that's how I work. I'm not going to go really quickly. There's someone who commented on like, you go so slow and I could do it so much faster. I'm like, what's your point? I don't have a time frame. I'm not being paid to do this. It's completely mine. I like what it, what is it that you what is it that you want from me? Actually, speaking of which, which you probably didn't see, um I posted a um a photo of me putting together a grill for my cousins when I was up visiting them cuz that's just what I happen to be doing. It's, it's like the lighting in here is really cool. Um I like puzzles, whatever. So someone 
commented on this Instagram post, actually commented twice. And the first one says, two months since your last YouTube video. Come on, what's the holdup? The holidays are over. It's 2022. I pray it's going to get better here on out. And then the second comment that says, it's perfect weather to get property projects going. I, and, I well, what's interesting, it <laughs> seems to go ahead. Tell me, because I want to tell you what I think it, what I think it is. So my initial response was like, eat a bag of dicks, um, because <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Like, he, like they literally say, come on, what's the hold up? Like, I don't owe you anything. And like, you get whatever I put outside for you, you stray cat. Um, so I went to comp to reply to their comment, be like, I don't work on your schedule. I work on my schedule, something that's like not friendly, but not overly aggressive. But also like, I don't like that this person who I don't know had just decided to leave two comments um, after like my last couple of posts even were like all about me being like, hey, my mental health is failing me. And then this person's like, get going, like, come on. So I went to reply that. And what pops up is a little dialogue box that says, oh, this person doesn't allow people to at mention them. Have you experienced this before? I don't. I don't know that I have not. I don't go after people who say things I don't like. Right. But this is like a thing that you can do where you can actually you can leave comments and um, disable people from replying to you. So you can basically just go leave a stink bomb in a room and no one has any recourse. So um, I just deleted their comments. If I if I don't get to reply to you, you don't get to comment like. See, before (laughs) you said that he did that, what I thought was was that it was. Tr- someone trying to be helpful, but just kind of ham-handedly trying to be helpful. Once in a while, we'll get something like that for Knife Talk, and somebody will write something, and it's like, you get the feeling like the, it's not being, they're not trying to be shitty, but they don't realize that it's just annoying. So, like, I just, I feel like when I heard that, I thought to myself, I'm like, maybe the guy's trying to be encouraging, and then you're just like, you know what? Whatever your name is, you're right. I hear it's time to get out and, you know, but... It just seems I don't know. I don't understand it. I I do believe that most commenters are looking to create a relationship and they're looking for you to say this guy got me inspired to get back into it and thank whatever his name is. And I'm not necessarily 100 percent sure this person is trying to ruin your day. But the fact remains is, is because we can't hear how people say things, they just always come across obnoxious so my 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 prior my thing is is i don't really i don't respond and i and i feel like there's a couple guys who 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 dislike me intensely to the point where they've said things to other people and they said things on different you know whatever responses and comments and stuff like that and they still listen every week and they still listen to both podcasts every week and i don't yeah they hate listen i don't but i don't but i don't like I don't go out. They've begged for uh, one guy has begged for uh, forgiveness and just like, you know, there's I don't know. I don't understand why people get get drowned in this in this very, very unproductive life. I don't understand it. It doesn't make it. It seems like it's a, a giant waste of energy. So I stay the fuck away from it. To be honest with you. Yeah. So they're. 
There's a very specific reason why I respond to specific questions. And I absolutely agree that I think that the vast majority of people say things in a way that they either think is friendly or funny or supportive, but it really just makes them sound like a raging asshat. Yeah. My problem is nobody ever tells them you sound like a raging asshat, whether you meant to or not. So back up what you're saying. And to me, that's one of the most important things we can do because as a very influential person in my life, Otis, the former um, secret security agent, told me, it's like people like people do shitty things because we let them. Right. And they'll keep on doing them because nobody wants to deal with them. And who is Otis? Who's this Otis? <laughs> Otis is amazing. He taught a class on how to deal with difficult people that I had to take when I worked at the library. <laughs> okay. All right. So it was amazing. People, so basically he's saying people are shitty because you're not punching him in the face. No, it's not that. So the specific instance that he brought up is the one person who comes to the library who has a 25 cent fine on their card because they returned one book one day late and they refuse to acknowledge it. Like, well, I didn't do that and I would never do that. And I always return my books on time and I won't pay it. And because it's under the $10 limit, they don't have to pay it to check out a book. And what usually ends up happening is someone will waive the fine for them because they don't want to deal with it. And so then they do it over and over again until all of a sudden people at different libraries are like, hey, have you like had to deal with this person? Like, I feel like I've waived fines for them because they always say that they're always right. And all of a sudden everyone realizes they're just getting away with it because they know they can. They know that if they're difficult on a small level... People will just be like, I don't want to deal with you. I'll just make the problem go away. Until eventually people have notes in their permanent records at the library that says, do not let this person get away with anything because that's what they're trying to do. Which is pathetic over a 25 cent fine for a free service. Like, even if I think I return my books on time, I'm like, you know what? Here's your quarter. Like, go crazy. Um... But like the other thing that Otis, the ex-secret security officer, said to me, or to the to the uh, to the entire uh, group that was there, is um, if you don't say anything, then nothing happened, right? So let's say this guy agree, walking down the street like kicks you in the shins, and you're like, whatever, it's not a big deal, I'm fine. Where you know what? That's not a good case. Someone you work with is like repeatedly does something egregious. It's not a huge deal where you don't want to make a fuss and have to deal with it. But what do they do? They keep doing it. And then they do it to more people in other places. And then they fail up because no one wants to make a complaint. But yet you can't fire a person because no one's complaining about them. So they get pushed to a different position and a different job. And then eventually they end up being in charge of people and they're still shitty. And nobody does anything about it. Because nobody wants to make a big deal. It doesn't seem like a big enough deal to, to like, be the one who made a fuss about it because you don't want to look like you're petty. But, like, at the same time, like, we're just telling people that it's okay to be shitty. And while the rest of us are really just trying to hold it together and maybe we're, like, I don't try to make the world a better place. 
but I try to make it a place that I want to live in. I try to be respectful. Like I don't like a lot of people, but there's never an excuse to be rude. I will be, I will respond in kind with someone, but like as, as our, as our family motto goes, like never start a fight, but always finish it. Like I'm not going to get in your face, but if you're going to get in mine, I'm going to stand up for myself and tell you it's not okay for you to treat me like that. And so this is one of my problems with uh, people who comment on the Internet is even if this guy, this one particular guy is saying like, hey, come on, let's get going. I'd love to see you work, blah, blah, blah. Like he didn't even bother to mention any of that. And I will make certain allowances for um, certain speech patterns, like I am known for being more blunt um, and saying things that people take offense to. But I also realize that on the Internet, nobody can hear you scream. No, um, nobody understands what your tone of voice is. Right. So that's something I think about. So I ask questions rather than make statements. And I never make demands from people, especially if I don't know them. Like, I don't say, hey, why are you wasting my time by putting out these, you know, posts about like, like, hey, Fader, why are you posting about food? I'm not here to watch you cook, which I mean, I really, you know, I am. I asked to be a gremlin in your kitchen corner. But like, you know, if I'm like, why are you posting about food? I'm here to see your knives. I only care about your knives. Like, in my mind, I'm giving you a compliment. I love your knives and I want to see you make them. But like, you're all you're going to hear is like stop doing whatever it is that you want to do with your life and please only me. So, well, I, I am willing to concede that a lot of people have no ill intent. I will not stand for it on my page. You go do that on someone else's page. Like I will respond to you and be like, Hey, it's not up to you. Like glad you're here. If you don't like it though, leave and don't come back. I agree with you. However, I'm also of the uh, of the mind of if there's a spark and you don't put any air on it, it won't turn into anything. But I yeah, mean, I, but also I, remember that I have the power to block people. So if I really don't want to deal with it, then I will just be like, you don't get to be here anymore. You've been disinvited. I, I, I you know what? I, I completely agree. But, you know, the difference between you and me, one of the small ones is I'm not in the content game. Like, I don't right. really feel the need to do. I don't. I mean, my business is like. My business, I'm far, I'm far more focusing on my business than I am, you know, content where there's interaction. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm slowly, Yeah, you slowly like have getting, a real job. Well, I mean, I just, <laughs> I just don't really, I don't really need the interaction. Like, you know, I, I just don't, I'm not interested in, in some of the, some of the things I'm not interested in. Now, I, I hate to change the subject because I just, I'm looking at the time and I want to make sure we get, we have to. You did talk about food. I have to. I have a. I have a dilemma. Not a dilemma. I have judgment for you to pass on a story that I'm going to tell you at the end. Okay. But bef- bef- and I want you to. I want to tell it to you after we we're going to do Alec Baldwin talk because <laughs> it's very important that we keep consistent when 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 Jesse comes on, we talk about Alec Baldwin if he comes up in the news. Last episode, um, when Jesse was here, the story that we found to be fascinating was his wife, uh, she says, Ilaria. I mean, my wife's name's Hillary. So it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, she, she identified as being from Spain. And it, to the point where 
Alec Baldwin, famous actor, Long Island. You listen to the last episode. If you don't know who Alec Baldwin is, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Listen to the last episode. It's a whole big thing. So Ilaria Baldwin identifies from Spain. He goes on to every show and talks about my wife is Spanish. My wife is Spanish. My, he goes on Letterman. Or he goes on Jimmy Fallon. My wife is Spanish. He goes on Howard Stern. My wife is Spanish. Well, it turns out she's to she's from Boston. She's from she's not from Spain at all. And it was this whole big thing. And we, you and I were talking about what kind of person does something like this. And it's it's basically like the the plight of Alec Baldwin, where he has all the these crazy things that happens to him and what could possibly happen next to Alec Baldwin. And he's, he's such a New York character because he's such a strange person. And honestly, 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 I wasn't even going to talk about this anymore because the the next thing that happened that would, that's been in the news lately was so weird and so tragic that I thought, I don't really feel like maybe we shouldn't talk about it until I looked on the internet today and I saw some of the things he's posting on Twitter and Instagram and, and just like, here's a guy who just doesn't give a shit. So if he doesn't give a shit, then I don't give a shit. So what happened recently, um, a few months ago was he was the producer and the actor on the set of this movie, the small movie rust. He was, he was doing a scene. I guess that they're old. It's an old Western in the small town, whatever. And you're, you know, he's a, trying to escape something or, you know, with his kid or something like that. They were doing a rehearsal with their, with the new, uh, the cinematographer. And she was, she was, they were filming. He pulled his gun out to, uh, to, I guess to, to, to practice for the filming or whatever. The gun goes off. Turns out there's a real bullet in the chamber. It's not supposed to be that. Shoots her. Goes through her. She hits the AD. They they get her on a on a helicopter to the hospital. She dies, and then the assistant director is hospitalized. He so he you know what the fuck, what yeah. the fuck happened? Yeah. This, this was the 4.30 a.m. text message <laughs> that I got, which was like, oh, my gosh, Alec Baldwin. And I was like, oh, dear, this could literally be anything. Because as you said to me, Alec Baldwin is a Greek tragedy. And like Greek tragedy. <laughs> this is the this is the this is the real Greek tragedy come to life. Right. Because it's like there's a lot. One of the reasons we like talking about him is because he has been such an asshole in the past that it's like you don't really feel bad making fun of him. But also there's just like weird circumstances around him that he encourages. And in this situation, like just to be clear, you and I are both agreed that like what happened? Like it's not like what happened, how funny that this happened to Alec Baldwin. Like this is a Terrible. terrible thing that happened. But it's more like, of course, it would happen to him. Like, of course, it would be this person that like, like, I mean, I love Alec Baldwin for all the reasons that are not important. And I hate him for all the reasons that are important, because he is just the worst. But like, you know what? He was in Hunt for Red October. Like, you can't not like him. Come on. He's an American institution. My favorite movie that he was in was The Shadow. Oh, my God. He was really good in The Shadow. I thought The Shadow was, was great. Well, I mean, I love The Shadow, but I listened to, like, the radio broadcast, like, you know, Lamont Cranston and Margot Lane and um, who knows what evil lurks in the heart of men. Like, I love The Shadow. And 
I watched the movie several times, actually, um, because I love having a visual representation. And I, I do think that he was the right choice for it, but I did not love the movie. Or, yeah, fine. That's fine. I'm not I'm fine. I I I like the movie. But did you did you happen to see his? So did you happen to see the interview he did on George Stephanopoulos? I I didn't. So there's the interview, and then there's also he did like a three minute long Instagram video, which did I also did not Instagram. watch because it's so uncomfortable. Like he's. It's like everything he does makes it worse because the minute he starts talking, it's like, oh, yeah, you're completely unlikable as a person. Like, I like your I like things that you've acted in, but like as a person, completely unlikable. And he really does chew up the scenery, doesn't he? He just he looks into the camera and there's this silence and he stares off and it feels so disingenuous. And like it is very disingenuous. This has got to be something that's like just so life altering. Like, you know, obviously someone died. Like, that's huge. That is that is a tragedy in and of itself. But to have been the person who like caused it. Like without realizing it, and it's and it's like I can't even imagine what it would have felt like to just realize you hear a bang, and then what happens after that? You are completely unprepared for, and like it, it's it's amazing to me that there was a single live bullet on that set. Here's what's interesting because I I watched the whole george stephanopoulos video uh the interview on it's on there's like a three-parter on youtube it's from abc and god bless abc because that there's this one line where they said when you pull the trigger and he says i didn't pull the trigger they fucking pluck that and that's like that that's like the thing like all of a sudden everyone knows that you know he pointed the gun and they pulled the trigger and he goes well i didn't pull the trigger so what was interesting was, and the interesting thing for me in regards to this whole story is because my friend Nico is on sets and he's got an, his opinion was, his his opinion was there were, pro, and it's not his opinion, but there was a lot of people, you know, he, so basically the, the investigation is still going on and uh, Alec Baldwin decided to go on George Stephanopoulos because he felt that he had to say something because he just couldn't wait any longer. Right. He just, you know, he had to get out in front of it. So what he said was, and and George was George Stephanopoulos was very good in regards to like hitting all the things that there were. It was a low budget set, and then the armor or the prop master was very uh, poorly trained or or very or not poorly trained. My my mistake. She was didn't have a lot of experience, mm-hmm. and that there are certain rules and regulations and blah blah blah. Um, what Alex said was. That he well, they were in this room and they were practicing the scene. They were doing what's called marking, where they, where they, uh, he, he, they, the cinematographer is standing while the the camera is pointing at um, uh, the actor, but she's turned the 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 I guess the the monitor, so she's her she's sideways to him, so she's not facing the actor, she's facing the the hat you know the side of the camera so she can look at the monitor and she'll say i raised the gun this height or raise the gun this way or put it up here and he said do you want me to do like this you want me to do like this yes 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 so she he's constantly like they're doing marking which is like they're preparing for what the scene is supposed to look like he pulls the gun out and they say okay raise it up like this so he is pointing at her at her direction 
Hmm. She's saying point, you know, pointed like this, pointed like this. And then he says, do you want me to do it with the hammer back? I guess it's one of those like old six shooters. So she does. He said, yeah, it's like a Western, right? Right. So she, he pulls the hammer back and then it doesn't, I guess when they pull the hammer back, usually you pull it all the way back and it like clicks and Mm -hmm. it like stays back and then it makes the trigger, you know, and then you pull the trigger, right? Well, I guess he didn't pull all the way back. It slid out. And then the hammer hit the, you know, it hit the hit, it hit where it hits. And then there was a live round and the, the, the gun goes off. She goes down. He immediately thought she was, uh, she passed out. Like maybe it was the heat or maybe the stress or maybe she's not feeling well. And they, she, he, he says the way he describes it, he's like, I didn't understand what happened. I thought she passed out. And then next thing you know, the AD is on the floor and he's, no one knows what's going on they, in the, in his mind. There's just no way there's a lie. I mean, it doesn't even cross their mind until, until like he says, until the helicopter arrived where because they, they, I guess they cleared everybody out of the room and they get the medics there and they call the 911 and then. So basically, he is he, the way he describes it. He is compelling. He's compelling to a certain degree. The well, yeah, crying he does, <laughs> the crying he does is very like. It's a little bit like hard to. I mean, I can imagine it's exhausting, and it's just very clear that clearly he did do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. But there's like there's all this like stuff around it. One of the things is that it was a union issue where there was safety issues on the, on the job side. And they asked him about that. And from what we understand that there was, you know, some of the, it, it, because he was a producer on the film, he, uh, you know, he was, you know, they think that because he was a producer on the film, he, he, he line item, you know, looks it over the, you know, the budgeting and something like that. And then there's this idea that the, the camera guys who are, you know, had to go an hour away because my friend Nico was on uh, with me recently and he was saying what happens is, is, you know, the camera guys are the first guys on the set and it takes an hour to set the cameras up. And then the last guys in the set it takes an hour to load it up on the truck. And then if they have to go an hour out of their way to, to the hotel, it's, it's a problem. And he even addressed address that saying that like oh well the camera guy said that he didn't like the room not it didn't really talk about it. he was a little bit like a little squirmy on the whole situation mm-hmm. but it's a strange situation it's one more thing that's completely odd about him and i'm not 100 percent sure how i feel about it um would you like to hear how i feel about it i would love to hear how you feel about it I think that he is so unwilling to admit any fault, whether he has fault or not, that when he talks about it, it feels like every tear he cries is for himself because he feels so bad that he's in this terrible situation, which he is in a terrible situation. But in my mind, the fact of the matter is he has zero fault because it is up to the people who are in charge of safety on set to ensure the safety of all these people. It's not like they gave him a real knife and he chucked it at her. That would be her fault, his fault. But this wasn't even, they weren't even shooting, like, shoot, that's such a terrible word to use now. They weren't even filming at the time. This was a rehearsal. Right. Why was there anything in the gun at all, let alone a live bullet? There's zero excuse for that. 
There is zero excuse because it is literally someone's job to make sure that the the weapons that they use on set are safe and won't even hurt anyone, let alone kill them. So for me, this is like, to me, this is super obvious. And going back to something I said earlier, which was the words, the wise words of Otis, if you don't say anything, then nothing happens. Like someone died and now we're hearing, well, you know, there were a lot of issues with safety and people were very upset. It's like, well, nothing was said before that. And one then someone the died. One of the interesting things about the interview was George Stephanopoulos brought up a uh, audio clip from George Clooney, who went on the Mark Barron podcast. And George Clooney, who's he's always, you know, he doesn't really mince words. He was pretty vicious in regards to how he felt about it. He says, this is outrageous. And every time someone hands me a gun, I always check it. And it's not, it's not just the armor's responsibility, but I mean, obviously if you get handed a gun, you're responsible, blah, 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 blah. And it was, it was like, he was just like, this is outrageous and blah, 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 you know? <laughs> so they pull, so they talked to looking at, so George is looking at Alec and, and he says, well, what do you say about that? And Alec says, well, a lot of people, chimed in um, and it didn't make matters any easier for the situation. And all I can say is if you check your gun before the, you know, before, before the scene, well, good for you. And that's what he said. And it was very much along the lines of now in regards to him taking responsibility. I think that there are most likely litigation and there's like there's there's an ongoing investigation. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. all his lawyers are probably saying you can't really as soon as you say, you know, I'm responsible, then. Right. You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. The whole thing is fucking crazy. I do. I do. I do. Do I feel bad for him? No, I don't feel bad for him at all. Do I feel like there is a lot of responsibility on a lot of people's situations? Yes. Personally, personally, I'm I believe that Hollywood in general is the uh, is owes a lot of responsibility for violence in this country in general. And I think that, you know, once again, when you calling liberal Hollywood, liberal Hollywood is a mistake because if it wasn't, I mean, Hollywood is the, you know, violence instruction manual for the United States in the world, most likely. So I don't I think actually totally need... disagree with that. Oh, dude, wait, wait, wait a second. You don't think you don't think the, it's the it's the gun manual. It's the it's the it's like the it's almost like the when I was a kid, you get the you get the Caldor Caldor, the Kmart like shopping list of the new toys and stuff like that. That's what that's what Hollywood is. No, but see, the problem is like, think about how many people watch movies that include any sort of violence um, or even just a person holding a gun and compare that to the types of crimes that we see. And the, the thing is not that people see something and then they copy it. The problem is that people, some people will do a thing. And maybe it's just like, oh, well, I was going to use a knife, but I could I guess I could use a gun. So like the worst thing that you'd save for violence in media, which includes movies, TV and video games, is that it gives them a frame within to work to work within. (laughs) Words are hard. But like the, the, the thing is, no, the thing is they're going to do something no matter what. 
Like no matter what, they're going to do something. I'm not talking about crime. I'm not talking about crime. I'm number one. I'm I'm very pro all the amendments, and I'm very pro not changing amendments. I think I think it's a giant mistake. I think I think. I believe that I believe in the right to bear arms. I also believe that some people shouldn't don't deserve to have tools. I believe that some people shouldn't have like hammer power hammers. Like I feel like I'm I feel like there's a lot of people who shouldn't have a lot of things. Most people and, should not you know, be allowed to drive a car on a public road. <laughs> I believe that there are a lot of people who don't deserve a lot of things, but that's that's a different story. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is is that the what Hollywood has done is you've created this framework where we've established that we solve problems with violence and we've made violence a, a, a we've made violence an acceptable form of justice and i think that it is uh i think that regardless of whatever it is i believe that it's it's been a I think it's a catalyst for antisocial behavior and at a like I said when I said when I said in the beginning of this podcast I appreciate the fact that you wear sun, you wear safety glasses because when they see people wearing safety glasses they wear safety glasses or when they see somebody not wearing safety glasses they don't wear safety glasses when they see these the the, the hero solve problems with violence you know it's 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 this strange justification for antisocial behavior that's what I think I, I also disagree with that um, because what? if you so you. <laughs> I spent a lot of years running daycares and being a nanny and little tiny kids who don't watch TV when they're solving a dispute over a toy, one of them punches the other in the face or bites them because that's what we do when we feel like we're backed into a corner. Like that's that's like the last resort is if your words aren't getting across, this person isn't you know, like the the. The thing that you your last resort is physical violence with your hands or your toes or whatever you have at your disposal. Yeah. And yeah, like, but, I, but at the same time, you're you're teaching, but you you end up teaching these children that that's unacceptable. But if you make the, if they're watching shows where the heroes are always using violence, then they just notice that you know you punch people out or you. That's do not whatever. a Hollywood problem, though. That's a. It's a two-part problem. It's nature versus nurture. It's how you raise your kids and how they were always going to be in the first place. Like, there's a lot of responsibility on parents to teach their kids it's not okay to bite chunks out of this kid's arm because they took a toy you wanted. But you also can't stop some people from being a certain way. It's just how they're wired. And even if they have the best situation, the best parents, everything they are still going to turn out to be a certain way and cross your fingers that that way is going to be a CEO of a fortune 500 company and not like a serial killer. But like, I think, I, disagree. I think that the bigger problem that Hollywood has created is not that violence is okay, but creating an unrealistic, idealistic world of what romance is. And I think that's, way more damaging Mm. to the masses than violence whoa it's like it's the same thing like you know there's there's always there's always going to be a lot of kickback on certain types of music that are talking about violence and like you know hitting your woman because she doesn't do whatever you say whatever and people are always really upset about that but on the flip side like the females in general t- 
tend to like a song sung by another female that talks about like this is how big my ass is and he fucking loves it how is that not damaging i think that is at least twice as damaging <laughs> because it's mm. creating an unrealistic ideal to live up to because you know what for me a song about how cleavage is the most important thing in the world I'm never going to achieve that unless I get a boob job. And guess what? A lot of girls get boob jobs because they think that having boobs is the most important thing. And that is what is told to them by their idols. These these singers who are singing about how like he can't get enough of me because I'm so amazing. And then they call that feminism. I call it bullshit. Whoa. I, oh, you yeah. know what? I wish I knew more <laughs> about feminism to talk to you about this because I, I mean, I, I wish my wife was here because I, I she, I, this is very interesting. It's very interesting you say that. It's yeah, very I'm, interesting you say that. I'm like, I love the ideas that feminism first had, but honestly, I don't like most feminists because it just feels very pro women and not pro equality. And I think that most feminists that I have met or seen on social media or in, you know, any kind of media, they tend to put down men and make fun of them rather than say, we are all equal. We all do stupid things. We all do good things. We're all just trying to like live better lives for ourselves. And so like, I, I would never call myself a feminist because I don't like aligning myself with things that I don't fully believe in. And so that's why I say, I love the ideals that feminists started out with, but I do not like what I see, which is when there's like an, an Instagram feed where it's like it says some things that are like very like, hey, we we women need to support each other. I'm like, yeah, this sounds great. And then scroll down. It's like, you want to know how stupid men are? They're this stupid. And I was like, isn't that what we're trying to not do? Like. Like we we're allowed to get really mad at men for making a joke about how women are supposed to be in the kitchen. But yet you're making fun of men for not knowing how to swing a hammer. Like, how is that not the same thing? And like, that's the thing that really bothers me is like, why I don't I don't like isms and I don't like ists because I don't want to be associated with everyone in a group. I want to stand up for the things that I believe and agree with some things that other people say, but also have the right to be like, I don't agree with what you're saying. And I think that. I think that some overcorrection is important because, like, you know, there are a lot of different groups of people that have been put down by other groups. We all do it, you know, like, it's like, ooh, women, we want to vote. Now we can vote. Okay, but let's keep black people from voting. It's like, well, you said you wanted equality, but really you just wanted a better life for yourself. That's fine, but we don't have to put down other people to get a better life. In fact, if we raise everyone up, then they start raising everyone up. And guess what? We're just going up from here. There's zero reason to put down anyone ever. Thank you for coming to you. my TED Talk. <laughs> you. You're the, listen, listen, this is perfect segue because I want you to pass judgment on a story I have. Okay. All right. This is Let's this see. kind of stems a little bit from Hilaria Baldwin and <laughs> cultural appropriation. Okay. I I believe cultural appropriation is a thing, and I, I and I'm I'm sensitive to it. I, I I'm interested. I'm re, re, reading about it in food. 
in regards to, you know, you were saying before that people like to see what I'm cooking. Mm. Recently, I've been wanting to do more food stuff because personally, as a, as a, as a culinary knife maker, if you don't, if you make culinary knives and you don't like to cook, I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. So I do a lot of cooking stuff and I was going to do a, a reel. I was going to do a reel. Like, there's a guy. His name is Rafuel Fifty Five. He's the Spanish chef. He does the best reels for about cooking. And I was going to do a reel on Instagram, and I was going to make something that we make recently. We've been making a lot lately in the winter. You know, I cook for my family. My wife doesn't really like to cook, so I do all the cooking and I enjoy it. But at the same time, sometimes I want to have something that's done. So we kind of dig out the slow cooker and try to find these recipes for slow cooking things. And this is a kind of a funny two part story. So we we ha- we got this. Uh, Hillary got this cookbook. I think it was a Martha Stewart slow cooker recipe book. And years ago, we got it. I'm looking through it, and I found this recipe for pizzoli. You know what pizzoli is? Mm-hmm. All right. So it's basically stewed meat with hominy, which hominy is like kind of it's a different. It's like kind of a more. It's a more. It's a gr- it's a corn. It's like corn kernels, but it's kind of closer to being like. It's more grainy. It's more. They're bigger. They 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 when they're cooked down, they kind of taste a little bit more starchy and stuff like that. So basically, that's what pizzoli is. So they found this recipe for pizzoli. We made it and with I think it was with pork and made it a couple years ago and it was great and the kids lo- and Hillary liked it and my kid liked it and it's cooked down pork. Pork and hominy and stock and spices and we threw some radishes on you know sliced radishes and avocado and, and spices and all sorts of stuff and it's great. So recently we decided it was getting colder and let's let, maybe we need to find a new recipe and, I was, and, and my kid was just like why don't you go back to that pizzoli recipe? So we I changed it up a little bit instead of using pork I put chicken breast in it and figured out ways to make it a little bit leaner and and stuff like that and it tastes great and it's now part of the weekly it's part of the our weekly you know rotation it's great and it's a it's a total p- crowd pleaser and so I'm thinking to myself and it's great because you know you make it in the morning and then it's ready at night you don't have to do anything you just you know serve it up and you know So I was thinking well what should I do I said well I'm going to make I'm going to make some pizzoli. Maybe I should do a reel about pizzoli. And then I was I was going through it. I'm looking at it and I'm just like, what the fuck do I know about Mexican food? Like, I'm this fucking, you know, Jewish kid from midtown Manhattan, you know? Like, I don't really have any cultural identity to, to, to Mexican food. I'm like the champion of Mexican cuisine. I've never really, you know, not really. And so I was thinking about it and I was talking to my kid. I was like, I said, if I do a whole reel, like, kind of like you know, making this pizzoli is this cultural appropriation. And she's just like, eh, you're not really profiting from it. And, you know, we're kind of talking back and forth and I'm just trying to figure out ways in which I, you know, do I have some sort of like representation? And I was thinking about it. I was just like, well, what about the paella and all that I make? And the funny thing is, is I'm, I've gotten to the Hilaria Baldwin category because my grandfather, my mother's father spent most of his life in South America and Mexico and lived in Mexico and his, he was part, you know, he brought a lot of Mexican uh, culture back to our family. And he had, we have family, distant relatives in Mexico city and we spent time with them and in Acapulco and we have, you know, so I'm all of a sudden I'm thinking, ah, well, you know, and then he used to make paella all the time. So I'm thinking to myself, yeah, listen, maybe I'm part Mexican and, and, and like this, like this, this, like, and I'm just like, you're totally not. <laughs> and, and we're having this conversation and I decided 
I'm not going to be, you know, my, the, the first food thing I'm going to do, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I'm just not going to, it's, it's too much because all I need is someone to say, all I need is someone to say, well, you know, that's not real. Pizzoli. You can't make, you know, Mar- what does Martha Stewart know about making Pizzoli, you know? Right. So that's the first part. So render your verdict on, and I didn't do it and I'm not going to do it. And it's just like, it's just it's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Render your verdict on, on, on what you think about that. And then I'm going to tell you what ended up happening. Okay. So the, the, the problem with the idea of cultural appropriation is that people, the, the vast populace tends to think that it's like, if I wore a kilt, that would be problematic because I'm not Scottish, right? You know, so it's like, that's like the dumbed down version when really cultural appropriation is um, benefiting financially from um, a minority, something that is like sacred or cultural or societal to a minority where you're taking that away from them because you have the connections, right? So um, it, but it becomes extremely problematic when it's like, oh, so, um, are we not allowed to eat at a sushi restaurant that's owned by Koreans? Like, it's that, problematic. Like, is that a problem? So, and in one of my, I mean, that's not problematic. <laughs> the problematic is the dilemma. Exactly. The, the dilemma, dilemma is problematic. Where do you draw the line? And like right. my, my favorite idea of it is like when, um, when Moana came out and then you could buy these like Moana costumes um, for like little girls to wear at Halloween. And so there's like photos of little blonde haired, blue eyed girls wearing Moana costumes and people flipped the fuck out. And so while I agree that like these are a mass produced money maker thing that is like using a specific culture, the the problem that ends up happening is do you flip it and say like, oh, so you're you have like you have a little little let's say a little Japanese girl and she wants to wear the costume from Frozen and a blonde wig like like what are we teaching is the wrong thing here? Like because people are just calling out like five-year-old white girls <laughs> as being problematic when like that's that's not necessarily a problem and like everyone was so happy when the movie Moana came out because it's like here's representation so then what do you do do you not sell merchandise associated with it like that's kind of just how the world works and well but you're not supposed you shouldn't be profiting it's like it's like well, the white but, people who start start like a taco stand well exactly and then, you know, but they're like, shut down because they didn't they, they they're profiting off of you know this whitewashed but you know, where do you draw the line and is where do you it, draw the line is right. it a is it a net positive to have five-year-old white girls want to be this hawaiian princess is that a better positive because honestly i think so well, so basically, I we were talking about it, we were thinking about it, and I read a lot about cultural appropriation in food, which I find very interesting. And actually, mm-hmm. I love the David Chang podcast because they talk about it. They talk about uh, you know cultural appropriation and stuff like that, and it is interesting. Food is so an in interesting mind, one too. Like it's it's like specifically oh, he's interesting great. He, to me, dude. He's got the, my favorite podcast out now. I don't think there's a there's a more fun podcast to listen to than David Chang's podcast if you like food and stuff. So I'm thinking to myself, we're talking about it and I'm just like, I don't need to, I don't even need to question. I don't even, I'm not even interested in one like question. I'm not even interested in one message 
saying, like, I don't want any of it. So I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe I better do some research into what Pi- what um, Pizzoli, where it came from and stuff like that. So this is where it takes a turn. Pizzoli was originally made by pre, you know, pre-colonial, you know, Aztecs and pre-Columbian, and, and pre-Columbian Aztecs mm-hmm. and, you know, people living in South America. And what it was, was they were using the hominy and they were cooking it down. And the Pizzoli is the name for the foam that comes up from mm-hmm. the boiling of the hominy. So the meeting, main meat ingredient was humans. They were they were using you know they were sacrificing people or they were using oh I got the I got the article right here um, they were let's just get to it this is uh, this is from the L Universal and this says um, L Universal writes Pizzoli is a pre-Columbian dish and it's one of the oddest the oldest dishes in Mexico since experts have found it became part of the Mexican diet 1325 and to uh, uh, 1325 between 1325 and 1524 uh, uh, its name derives from the word pizzoli which means the the foam of like I said from the boiled the cor- corn boiled Nevertheless, the pizzoli was served during festivities and one special ingredient, human flesh. In the germ, in the general uh, history of New Spain, uh, they explain that the cooks used to use the leg of a captured warrior or slaves from other tribes, which was savored uh, by the, the ruler of this pr- particular place. Nevertheless, Mexicans ate that version contained with meat or turkey. So they were actually, uh, years later, after colonization, when the Spanish prohibited these rituals, human flesh was substituted with pork. So it was really funny to me because I was just like, I had all this problem. <laughs> I had all this, well, I had all this like problems. Like I can imagine, I'm just like, well, somebody's going to say, you don't put chicken breast in. in that's not how it's re- Pizzoli's really made. And I'm just like, well... I I substituted chicken breast for the leg of my enemy. (laughs) So it was this funny, it was this almost like this Larry David moment of having this real, the dilemma was like the cultural appropriation of this dish. But then when you look through the, like the history of the the dish, it's like, you know, this is the cannibal from the cannibal cookbook. I mean, I I sent a message to my friend Nico. I was like, this is the Dow, this isn't the Dowart spiral cookbook, Pizzoli. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that it I did not know. It was this funny thing. Yeah, so I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I had this real interesting conversation with my kid and my wife about cultural appropriation. Then we're like, well, obviously, what is what does Martha Stewart know about Pizzoli anyway? And I'm like, well, She's obviously, she doesn't know. She doesn't know this. <laughs> she certainly doesn't know this. So that's awesome. Here, here's the cultural appropriation, and uh, I, I'm going to be very much more careful in regards to what I do. But definitely. Definitely, definitely look into if you're going to do a reel about food, find you'd be surprised if you look at the history of, of some things. And I didn't think human flesh was going to be, you know, one of the uh, original parts of this diet. So, yeah, we don't usually think of it as being part of a recipe. <laughs> like no, the- we don't. I, human flesh and recipes don't usually go together. And I- with that said, <laughs> I, Jessup, is here. Jesse Uetta is always welcome. I always want to start the year out with Jesse on the show. Go follow Jesse on Instagram, I, Jessup, and you can go, and your your YouTube channels is I, Jessup, or? It is I, Jessup. I, Jessup. Yeah. I'm so thankful you came. 
onto the show as always. I appreciate you and I hope you have a wonderful new year. You have anything else to say? You said it all. <laughs> I said a lot, but I, we I said will a lot. Leave you, I will leave you with this. Do it. Uh, pozole comes from the Nahuatl language, which also gives us the word avocado, which means testicle. <laughs> I'll see you next week, everybody. Jesse, you're the best. <laughs> The Full Blast Podcast is proudly sponsored by Axe Wax, an all-natural, food-safe wax for coating your handles. It can be used on your axes, your knives, or even on your boots, with the full confidence that Axe Wax is safe and durable. Furthermore, if you use the promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get a special 10% discount on your order. So go to axewax.us and get yourself some of the most luxurious wax for waxing your axe. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.